James. Raf. James. Raf. We haven't really talked about it very much, but it's a huge problem online. Is there? It is a massive problem online. Everything seems swell to me. Okay, well. It seems hunky-dory. All right. What well, am I missing? That's because you pulled the wool over your eyes, Matt. You pulled the wool over your eyes, you don't see the the issues that are sort of percolating in the culture online. I'm in a filter bubble. You're in a filter bubble. You're trapped by the algorithm, and you don't really realize just how bad things have gotten. Do you want to tell you what the problem is? Go on, please. The problem is free speech. The problem is free speech and not being able to express certain views online. I seem to be able to express myself just fine. You know why that is, though? It's because you're a liberal elite. Mm -hmm. You're a liberal elite and you have viewpoints that are supported by the, the dominant culture and the state. Yes, well, I have the correct and right viewpoints. See, it's exactly this sort of mindset is why we have so many endemic problems and why people such as myself feel like we can't express ourselves online. Well, maybe you shouldn't be there. Wow. Today we're talking about a few things, actually, but the the overwhelming joining factor between them is something called alt-tech. Mm. And what alt-tech is, is it's the raft of new services that have popped up trying to be free speech alternatives mm-hmm. to big tech. It's really annoying that they've co-opted the word alt. Yeah, I know. Alt, alt used to be cool. Yeah. Alt used to be the section in JB Hi-Fi I would browse, you know? Yeah, exactly. Just clicking through those CDs. Yeah. And now it unfortunately means that you're racist. Yeah, so the alt tech, a lot of different startups have popped up, basically run by people who think that the big tech platforms that we live our lives on and operate and then do and work and live and play and whatever are sort of naturally liberal. Yeah. They're, there's le- a censor- they're left wing. There's a censorship problem. There's a censorship problem on them. And so we need to build up alternatives that allow for the flourishing of diverse viewpoints. And what that kind of means is that so right-wing people can use them and not be banned, Yeah, basically, yeah, is yeah. what they mean realistically. So basically, if you can think of any sort of tech platform, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Tinder, mm. there has been over the past couple of years an alternative that's popped up that are normally like fairly well capitalized. Um, there are a lot of VCs and investors who are interested in getting this sort of stuff off the ground. The big one is Peter Thiel, mm. former PayPal, um, now of Founders Fund, who um, puts a lot of money into these sort of alt-tech platforms because he thinks, as do a number of others, that the world is going to hell in a handbasket and that part of it is because of the suppressive nature of the existing platforms. Do you think that they're suppressive, the existing platforms? Um, well, I've never been banned. <laughs> I mean, this is the first question, so like, let's identify the problem here. Okay. So what are people getting banned for? Because people are getting, well, either banned or at least... They believe they're banned, the shadow banning. Shadow banning, yeah, yeah. This is already, I feel like, starting pre-COVID, yep. right? Where like Gab is a classic one. It's like a right-wing social media platform, Twitter kind of clone. Yep. Because of the vicious problem of conservatives getting banned for expressing certain viewpoints. Yeah. In the case of Gab, like, so this is pre-COVID, what are we talking here? So Gab is sort of the extreme example in that Gab is basically like a Nazi social network. Mm. Like if you use Gab- you probably think Hitler was very cool. <laughs> like that's so there's not I mean, they do kind of do market themselves like a free speech network, but they're kind of explicitly like a right wing network. Like mm. you would not go on Gab for any reason unless you were like racist or whatever. So that was part of the problem because there was a big sort of purge 
around the time that Donald Trump was elected, you know, that in history around 2015, 2016, mm. where a lot of the social media platforms were facing a lot of heat for how the way that they were like dealing with, you know, harassment and abuse and brigading and I guess Nazis and whatever on their platform. And so a lot of them started getting banned and Gab popped up to open its arms for all these people to come and join. Yeah. Um, but you're right that a lot of it has sort of popped off over the past few years through COVID. And I think also, I guess, Trump himself being banned from yeah. most of the platforms is probably yeah. I mean that was that was a big that was a big moment for a lot of people for me as well because you know I love seeing his posts. Yeah. I, love, I love seeing his tweets. <laughs> so they you will generally find that a lot of people think that the and you know they are right in the sense that the mainstream platforms do like fairly heavily penalise COVID misinformation and things mm. like that. Less now, I think like I see so much like anti-vax content on Twitter now because I guess they've stopped caring mm. quite as much. But there was definitely a period like during when the pandemic was at its peak that there was a lot of anti-vaxxers getting banned. Mm. Then there's like those generic sort of like I'm anti-woke kind of guys. Yeah, yeah. They're like I don't like work culture. They say that they're getting banned. You know, people that don't like trans people or whatever. There's a whole sort of like rogues gallery of people who feel that their viewpoints are suppressed on mm. mainstream social media and mainstream tech platforms. So... What do you do? You build these sort of alt tech platforms. And the current sort of trend is not to be like Gab, where Gab is basically like, I get the Gab newsletter. They send out a newsletter to you. Yeah. Which I guess is just like a- I do too. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, when I first signed up or whatever, I mean, no other social platform sends me email newsletters, uh, but Gab does. And they're just like flagrantly racist. <laughs> it's like you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to get that email from anyone. But these new ones are more interested in being like, we're not right wing. That's not what we're all about. Mm. We're free speech. We'll yeah. let you post whatever you want, you know, within reason. Mm. They're probably not going to let you post anything extremely illegal, but they're going to let you post any opinion that you want. So there's a few of them. Rumble is the um, YouTube alternative. Parler. So Rumble famous at the moment for um, a brand, Russell Brand. Yeah, Russell Brand is just who you may recall from hit films like Get Him to the Greek and Forgetting Sarah Marshall. R Russell Brand... It's kind of funny that what has happened to him because he kind of started as like almost like an anonymous, old school anonymous kind yeah. of. He used to be like a real kind of like lefty Occupy Wall Street. Yeah, kind, Occupy, kind of exactly. But he definitely got like COVID brain. And he became a real vax adjacent kind of guy. Yeah, and he got demonetized. One of his, this is the whole thing, right? Because it's like, oh, Russell Brand, what? Didn't he get banned from YouTube? And it's like, well, no. One of his videos got like demonetized and like a COVID warning underneath it. Like, you know, learn the, about vaccination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was enough to kind of, yep. I will not stand for this. I've been, I'm being silenced. Totally. So he's got off to Rumble. They've, they're paying him money to like run a show. Keep in mind, like Rumble now has like a, a bunch of investor money that they're going around. Uh, Glenn Greenwald, who's a people probably may know is a, a journalist, kind of a contrarian, provocative guy, to put, to put it mildly. He has also gone over there and is trying to drum up interest. So yeah, that, those are ones. Uh, the Twitter equivalent is called Parler. There's also a, there's a few of them. Well, Trump's platform, oh, oh, Trump's right? one, yeah, Truth Social. Truth. I should have mentioned that's like the the big one. I mean, you know, Truth Social is like barely usable. Mm. It looks like absolute shit. Parler is at least a little bit usable, but at the end of the day, like. Twitter is, works better than any of these platforms just on the basis of just like scrolling through and using it. So, yeah, there's that. But also it's sort of spreading into all different facets. So the thing that kind of in, in a way sort of spurred this episode is that the Wall Street Journal reported this week that a, wait for it, anti-woke bank, anti-woke bank 
raised a whole bunch of money. It was called Glorify, as in G-L-O-R-I capital F-I, like DeFi. Mm. Basically raised millions of dollars and then within months had collapsed. And I wanted to offer like all the sort of products that you would expect. Savings accounts. Savings accounts, mortgages, all that kind of stuff, except it was marketed as being (laughs) anti-woke. One of A-list investors to build a bank for people who consider Wall Street too liberal. And the other side of it as well is dating apps. Yeah. The big one over the past couple of weeks is it's a dating app called The Right Stuff. Yeah. Also backed by Peter Thiel, which is sort of Tinder for right-wingers. Mm. I'm not actually 100% sure what the – well, I mean, the, I don't think the pitch here is that people get censored or banned from being on Tinder. No, it's more right-wing. like you're not going to be shunned by these people, the fact that you're a Christian and you have family values. Yeah. yeah. You're amongst and, your people. And you, you were present at, like, the storming of the Capitol. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the funny side thing yeah. with this. What's the deal with it? So – the right stuff being this dating app. Yep. What was quickly shared amongst Twitter was screenshots of people reviewing it. There's some funny stuff in there, obviously, like the kind of stuff to, to quote verbatim. This is from Douglas Roop. He's posted it publicly, so I'm going to read out his review. I love my country. I love the Second Amendment, and I love God. These days, it's hard to find a woman who values my patriotism, my faith, blah, 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 blah. He was ghosted by every match on Tinder, gave the app a try, created his profile, uploaded a selfie of me sitting in my truck with sunglasses, and it worked great. Quick aside, James, you ever just sit in your truck? I would. If I own like an, a Ford F-150, I would, which you know, I guess you can't get in Australia at the moment, I'd sit high, high and proud. So he loves the interface. But he couldn't find any women on it. I don't know. Maybe the app is bugged. <laughs> but the big blow up in on the right wing side of things was apparently there on sign up, there's a question about January 6th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like one like, what are your thoughts on January 6th or something? And Sun Bradensworth said that they answered it honestly. And the next day I had two police officers at my door telling me they got a call alleging I was involved in domestic terrorism. Is this stuff true? I, don't, I feel I don't know. I feel like a lot of it is jokes. Surely, people, I think so. I but think, on the right wing media sphere, this went viral. Yeah, this I know. is basically a that, yeah. Totally. They were like, "This is a honeypot for true patriots." <laughs> but look, it's really funny because I mean, look, there are a few sort of like niche dating apps around, mm. even like ones that are like not quite Tinder scale, like ones like Bumble, where that is a woke dating app. Basically, I guess it's the one where women. Only women can message first. Guys can't message first. Mm. And there's like there's Hinge. I'm not actually 100 percent sure what the Hinge. I think the Hinge one is that like it more closely maps like your personal networks, like introducing you to friends of friends mm. rather than just like randos. So I guess there's like maybe a little bit of room for, I guess a, a community of people who want a particular kind of other person. In this case, like right wingers. But the thing that all these platforms sort of like run into, and the problem they inevitably face is that what makes a social network or like a tech platform or whatever good is that there's a bunch of other people using it, Yeah. right? Like, you know, TikTok is, I mean, the TikTok algorithm is great, but the thing that the thing that keeps bringing people back to TikTok is there's like a shitload of people on there making a whole bunch of content. Yeah. YouTube has anything you would ever want to watch. All your friends are on Instagram, for yeah. better or worse. It's probably changing a bit as it's user, the younger user base sort of atrophies or whatever. But everyone's there. Yeah, yeah. Which means that with these platforms, because they're explicitly political, we have a political ideology. That means that the content posted is all going to be political and around one topic. Whereas, as you say, on Twitter, you actually don't know the content you're going to get in that you could get jokes, you could get news articles, you could get funny videos, you could get a gentleman in a different country. You're not quite sure where, maybe somewhere in Northern Asia. 
piling 10 watermelons on his head and being like, that's, that's amazing. Like, that's <laughs> that like, you don't know. Yeah, Whereas yeah. if you're making, if you're doing a gab or a parlor, basically everything when you log in there is political. Politics. Yeah, it's, it's, it's politics. It's, yeah, yeah. And it's the same thing that you've kind of already heard reiterated a million times. Like the thing with all these apps, be it like the banking one, be it the dating one, what it relies on also is that is people specifically making their identity, whatever it is, anti-woke. Yeah, so totally. you have to be popular enough that there's enough there's enough of a market for you of people who be like me. Number one, most important for me is anti woke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than interest rates or <laughs> you know like savings or like your app yeah, or totally. whatever or usability. And that's just not the case for most people. It is for no. some lunatics. No. Then all of a sudden you're thrown in a bucket with just those people. One hundred percent. The platform of all of them, which markets it the least as being, I guess, like anti-work or right wing, it's probably the Rumble. Mm. Rumble kind of re- it really leans in like whether free speech YouTube basically, yeah. whether video platform for free speech. It has like the most functional platform. But then you look at it and all the content is like that. It's just yeah. like literally. I mean, YouTube has a, a shitload of just like annoying and overwhelming political content as anyone who uses it will know but as you say it also has the the golf the, the golf it has the guy with stacking 10 watermelons and he said yeah it's got like zoomers doing pranks on people in public it's got it's got one hour 45 minute reviews of the console of the new skoda kodiak <laughs> yeah, absolutely it's got it's got like guys that eat military rations from the 1940s yeah, you exactly, know? exactly and live off them for three months in the, the bush and film it totally the full spectrum of human experience is represented there whereas you go to rumble and it's just people for whom in the abstract you're like I value free speech. That's great. I value free speech as well. Yeah. But if there's all these people for whom like free speech, quote unquote, is their number one issue. Well, imagine talking to them at a party. You know? Exactly. They're just going <laughs> to be the worst people on the planet. If you're at a pub with eight people who that's just their number one issue. Yeah. That's not good chat. No, it's true. Absolutely. And look, there are plenty of like straight up right wing people out there who just have other hobbies. That <laughs> Golf. Right wing. <laughs> there's a lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> It's like it's in the background. It's like they don't need a platform to go and just like cohabitate with a bunch of other obsessed people. Well, also, as I was kind of getting at earlier, in order to actually get banned from YouTube, and I'm in properly banned, not just like a video demonetized, there's a lot of shit on YouTube. Oh, like, for sure. So, again, for the audience, are there that many people being like, YouTube, just not free speech enough for me, not extreme enough for me. I need more extreme. You're only going to go to somewhere like Rumble as a user for like user-generated content. Sorry, you're not going to go for user-generated content. You're going to go for a Russell Brand if you're well, a Russell that, well, Brand fan I mean, or yeah. Glenn Greenwald. It's basically like a sub stack in a way. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I think like that's it. You're going to go for individual creators who get coaxed over there with money or whatever. Yeah. But that's not really sustainable to be a platform that's like going to replace YouTube. Well, totally. As we've discussed before, a platform makes money at huge scale. It has to be Facebook scale. Twitter struggles to make money even at Twitter yeah, totally. scale. YouTube obviously makes heaps of money because of the sheer amount of scale. The, and yep. on a platform like that, that means you need a lot of content going in, yep. not just you know a few nutbags. Totally. And you, I don't think Glenn Greenwald's a nutbag. It's ex- explicitly in the case of YouTube, as compared to like Twitter, like you know, it looked like Facebook was unassailable a few years ago, and now Facebook looks extremely assailable. Yes, <laughs> but I think of all the platforms, like YouTube is the one that has is the most rock solid. I actually cannot envision it being replaced in the next 10 years, basically. No. It's just the penetration is absurd. And, like, the cultural divide, this is, like, a a secondary issue, but, like, the cultural divide between, like, people who watch a shitload of YouTube and people who don't is, like, one of the biggest cultural divides in, like, human civilization right now. 
Like there are people who are like putting in like 40, 50 hours a week. Yeah. Getting it beamed into their skull. And there are people who are like, oh, who are like me who just like watch a video every now and again for like instrumental reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know those people. These are the people who are like obsessed with Mr. Beast and shit. Speak to, if anyone's got cousins who are kind of 16, 17. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They will only know YouTube creators and I guess TikTok creators now. But yeah, totally. Like that is... They... That's their universe. To think that like something like Rumble, even though it's got like all this money behind it and it's raising it, I mean, you know, obviously it doesn't even sound super impressive. It's like, oh, we've got Glenn Greenwald and Russell Brand. <laughs> but even so, it's like it just the network effect is so immense and the flywheel is just like yeah. firing. I don't understand how they could think they can replace it. Which is the same across all of these platforms other than the bank. The bank's obviously the weirdest one because that's just yeah, <laughs> no one who cares about it. I think the woke banks probably have a hard enough time getting people who are like, oh, they only invest in climate change initiatives or whatever. Sure. Like even that would be a bit of an uphill battle. Like you're sticky with your bank. Yeah. You're not moving banks that often. No. The dating one, again, isn't the whole thing with using an app is so you have a wide variety of people. Oh, totally. I mean, look, we can have another conversation on the day about how bizarre it is that kind of like one app sort of runs human courtship now oh yeah everyone meets the i personally think dating apps are completely cursed and if i was emperor (laughs) fingers crossed i would ban them outright i think it's completely unnatural but no we'll have that conversation that's that's for another episode but it's definitely the case that like when it comes to apps like that the vast majority of the like dating population unless you have in the case of like bumble it kind of makes sense if you're like a woman who's like sick of being harassed on the apps or whatever Mm. which is totally understandable but for especially for, I guess, men who are sort of like the core market who actually pay for these things, you are going to want like the biggest possible dating pool. Yeah. But Bumble is perfect because it attracts women with its proposition and all men want is, as you say, a large pool of women to potentially date. Yep. So that's great. They've got a great flywheel going on there. <laughs> that's all men want. A <laughs> large... <laughs> What do what do men want has been answered a long time ago. It's Correct, the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, what right. do women want? A safe app where, where they have the ability to message men first, perhaps. <laughs> Nailed it.